I'm Dr. Janelle Anderson, former college professor turned manager in a large corporation turned entrepreneur. And not just any entrepreneur. I've made it my life's work to make organizational life more effective and fulfilling. So welcome to Working Conversations, the podcast where we digest and translate research and ideas on workplace dynamics and serve up to you the most interesting and actionable strategies to make your workplace conversations and your relationships more effective, productive, and influential. If you're looking for proven tools for your workplace toolbox, you're in the right place. Now, let's get after it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Working Conversations podcast, where we talk all things leadership, business communication, and trends in organizational life. I'm your host, Dr. Janelle Anderson. This is the first in an occasional series on the podcast about design thinking and the workplace. Watch for additional episodes that apply design thinking to how we organize work, both the physical space and the work itself, and our relationships at work. So let me start this episode by telling you a bit about JANA. JANA's company, much like Apple and many other organizations, started back to work on a hybrid schedule several months ago. JANA and her immediate colleagues are part of the marketing department in her organization. Their intact team is on a 3-2 schedule, meaning three days in the office and two days working from home each week. And while they do have dedicated workspace, that workspace is shared with another team that's on a 2-3 schedule, two days in the office and three days working from home each week. While Jana's team is close in proximity on the days that they're in the office, the space just doesn't quite feel like their space in the same way that it did when everyone was in the office five days a week prior to the pandemic. The shared space is deeply problematic for Jana, but she wasn't quite sure why it bothered her so much. So she brought the question to me. So what's going on here? The space, because it is shared space, now does not feel like Jana's space anymore. On a purely rational level, of course, Jana knows it was never her space, not before the pandemic or after. The company owns the space technically. But Jana felt like she owned the space, her space, her workspace, at least symbolically, when she and she only came to the same desk in the same cubicle every day and didn't have to share it with anyone else. Now, Jana's a fairly private person. She had a few personal effects in her space, notably wallet-sized photos of her two kids, a couple of inspirational quotes, and a handwritten note from the chief marketing officer for a job well done that all hung on her bulletin board, a few fidget toys that she would use when she was channeling her creativity while writing marketing copy sat on her desk, and she had a plant on a shelf above her filing cabinet. Other than that, her space was relatively unadorned with personal effects, unlike some of her counterparts who had their kids' artwork, family and vacation pictures, candy dishes, and lots of other doodads in their office and on their desks. By comparison, Jana's space was fairly stark, but still there were personal effects there, and it bothers her to have no personal effects whatsoever in the space that she now has to share. And it also bothers her to have to share it with somebody else on the days that she's working from home. Now, this is the series on design thinking. So I'm going to take a page from design thinking and sociology 
to shed some light on Jana's dilemma. I'm going to bring forward a concept called defensible space. The seminal research on defensible space was from the field of sociology, and it was all about preventing crime, and specifically violent crime. A defensible space, in its original form, was an area, like a house in its yard, or a neighborhood, or a park, that has clearly marked boundaries that convey ownership, and has a system that affords easy and systematic surveillance. Like looking out your kitchen window and being able to see most of, if not all of, your backyard, which incidentally has a fence around it, clearly marking the boundary of your yard and providing privacy and perhaps some sense of safety. So that's defensible space in a nutshell. It has three key features, territoriality, surveillance, and symbolic barriers. Let's take a look at each of these three in turn as they relate to Jana's dilemma. This will help us discover why she's uncomfortable with her three days, two days hybrid workspace and schedule. First, territoriality. Territoriality is essentially establishing that clearly defined space of ownership. It says, this is mine, this is my space. You may enter as a guest, but this is my space. Some of its markers include gates and walls and fences and other such items and objects that show visible boundaries. They could be specifically marking the edges, or they could be present in the interior of the space as well. Prior to the pandemic, with her unshared workspace, Jana could be somewhat sure that her space was her space. Sure, the custodial staff would empty her garbage and her recycling several times per week, and sometimes her coworkers would leave her a note on her desk or her whiteboard if they stopped by and she wasn't around. And the personal effects that she had in the office also communicated to others that this was her space. Again, the pictures of her kids, her plant, her fidgets. By and large, this felt like her space. And while it didn't afford much privacy, I mean, it was a cubicle after all, it did have some territorial elements that communicated to others that this was Jana's space and that territoriality provided some sanctity. This was her space. In her hybrid work arrangement, where she's in the office three days and two days working from home, and where she's sharing the workspace with someone on a different team on the days when she's not there. The space, even though it is the same space every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, unlike some of her colleagues in different departments who are hoteling, meaning they grab a different spot in which to work every time they come into the office. But for Jana, on those Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, it does not feel like her space. There's nothing to communicate that it is her space. The territoriality is missing. And as a result, she feels missing. The second key feature of defensible space is surveillance. Again, imagine the kitchen window looking out into your backyard, providing an opportunity for surveillance. Prior to the pandemic, Jana had her cubicle set up so that the opening of her cubicle was on her right-hand side rather than to her back. If someone was passing by or attempting to look at what was on her screen, she could see them coming or see them peering. 
she had a built-in surveillance system. Now, the content that Jana deals with at work does not require a particularly high level of confidentiality like it might if she were in, say, human resources or finance. She knew of colleagues in those capacities who used a privacy filter on their monitors so that others couldn't easily see what was on their screen. Jana didn't need that. Also, Jana remembers some colleagues whose backs faced to the opening of their cubicle who had cubicle rear view mirrors so that they could easily see who was walking by or stopping in at their cubicle without turning around from their computer. The way that Jana's now much smaller cubicle is set up in the hybrid work arrangement, she has no option to reconfigure the seating so that she can see the opening. It is squarely behind her. She's been thinking about getting one of those rear view mirrors to put on her laptop when she's in the office, but she thinks it's kind of creepy and it doesn't really fit her disposition. Unless she gets a cubicle rear view mirror, Jana has basically no opportunity for surveillance, also making her space seem less her own and sometimes even putting her on edge, especially if she's taking care of a personal task online during her break, like making a doctor's appointment. The third main component of defensible space is symbolic barriers. Now, these are objects placed strategically to create a perception that the space is well cared for, of value, and worthy of defense. This is easy to see in front of many houses and homes. A foot or two of landscaping rock with some shrubbery or flowers growing in it and around the perimeter of the house, and especially in the front. It creates a barrier from getting super close to a window to peek in, and it looks nice. It looks well cared for. Symbolic barriers make the space look like the property owner is using and maintaining the property. Now, in the days prior to the pandemic, Jana had a guest chair in her cubicle. She had it strategically placed next to the entrance of her cubicle, indicating that visitors should sit there near the exit. She also had a plant on a shelf in her cubicle. The plant was very healthy and made her space look well cared for, defensible, if you will. And it had many long vines that hung down in front of a file cabinet in which she happened to keep her purse, keys, and personal cell phone during work hours. Although the plant was certainly not anything that would keep her personal effects from being stolen if some nefarious colleague was rummaging about in other people's cubicles, but it did provide some sense of symbolic safety for her things. Now, Jana's got no guest chair, no plant, no symbolic barriers. And with that, gone is the sense that Jana is taking care of the space. The space is generic. Likewise, the symbolic boundary between her space and the rest of the office are gone. It's all one and the same. All of the cubicles now look the same. There's nothing for her to take care of or use to mark a boundary. Again, there's no Jana in this space. This episode is made possible by Instacart. If you haven't already started using Instacart, now is the time, my friend. Now, I'm the first one to say that I actually enjoy a trip to the grocery store. I really do. But you know what I like doing even better? Making this podcast. 
When I was deep in the development of this podcast, outlining and recording the first few episodes, my kids reminded me that they needed to eat. Instacart to the rescue. In absolutely record time, Magnolia, my Instacart shopper that day, delivered chicken nuggets, milk, avocados, fresh berries, and a host of other groceries we needed. When life gets busy, or when you just want to feel like royalty and have someone do it for you, there's Instacart. Get $10 off your first order when you sign up at workingconversations.com forward slash Instacart. Now, back to the show. So by and large, all three components of defensible space are missing in the hybrid workspace arrangement. Territoriality, or a clearly defined sense of ownership, is missing. Surveillance, or the ability to monitor the space and adjacent space, is missing. And symbolic barriers, those objects strategically placed to mark boundaries, are also missing. Now for Jana, knowing this doesn't necessarily fix anything. But what it did do for her, and what I hope it does for you if you're in a similar situation, is to explain what's happening. To help shed some light on why it feels off, why it feels different, and why it is unsatisfying to work in such an environment. In essence, this somewhat theoretical explanation helped Jana make sense of her new environment. And then Jana did, as you might too, ask me if there was anything she could do about it, in addition to understanding it differently. She had some newfound peace of mind about it, but she wanted more. She wanted to alleviate the disconnection she felt with the space. She wanted to find some small way in which to make it her own. And once again, have a workspace that is indeed defensible space. There weren't many things I could tell Jana, and there probably aren't a lot of things you can do, but I did manage to come up with a few things that I shared with Jana, and I will share them with you here today as well. Number one, to add back in a bit of territoriality, I suggested Jana set the desktop background on her computer to be a photo that's meaningful to her. Perhaps a family photo or one of her kids, or maybe even a picture that she took herself of a landscape if she doesn't want it to be too personal. And I suggested that if she were game for it, she put some stickers and decals on the lid of her computer, putting a bit of her own personal signature on it. Second, to have some sense of surveillance in her space, I did recommend that she seriously consider getting a rear view cubicle mirror. These days, they make them very small, no more than an inch high and two inches wide, and they're portable and they will clip onto the upper corner of your laptop. So she could easily carry it with her in her laptop bag and attach it every morning when she got to the office. As for her feeling creepy about using it, I suggested she weigh her need for surveillance against her discomfort and do what feels right for her. And third, To have a symbolic barrier, I suggested that she socialize a norm with her teammates that when she's wearing her headphones, she doesn't want to be disturbed or distracted. And while that doesn't necessarily create the symbolism that her space is well cared for and tended, it does convey that her creativity is being well cared for and tended to. Because sometimes she needs to work without disruption. 
(laughs) She laughed and told me she might need to get some larger, more conspicuous headphones because the wireless earbuds that she now uses often go undetected. But she did like the idea for creating a symbolic barrier. If you've been struggling to figure out why the hybrid workspace feels off, I hope this episode has given you some insight into how important defensible space is in our work environments. I hope you enjoyed this first episode in the occasional series about design thinking and the workplace. Watch for additional episodes that apply design thinking to issues that we run into at work, how we organize work, both the physical space and the work itself, and our relationships at work. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend who might benefit from learning about defensible space. Or if you're in an organization where many people are frustrated about the hybrid workspace, share it with a senior leader so they have a deeper understanding of what's missing in this new configuration. After all, if they are still in their solely occupied office with all of their personal effects, they may have no idea whatsoever of what's missing. Again, I'd be so grateful for you to share this episode. And while you're at it, pop over to the platform where you listened to and downloaded this podcast and rate the podcast for me and write a short review. I'd appreciate it so much. Until next time, be Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you're hearing on the podcast, head on over to Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts and give us five stars and a quick review. It really makes a difference and it keeps us bringing you valuable content that you can put into play in your life. I'm Dr. Janelle Anderson, and this is Working Conversations. Well.